So welcome to a new and special community conversation. Today I'm joined by Brian Kelly. Hey, Brian, uh, who is our director of our cybersecurity program. And we're joined by two technology leaders who have not only survived, but powered through uh, security incidents and are here to talk about them. So a uh, welcome to Ed Hudson, who's the CISO for the California State University System, and Michelle Noren, who's former Educause board chair and the CIO at Rutgers University. Take it away, Brian. In cybersecurity at Educause, we often talk about the importance of sharing what we've learned with each other. And today we're going to talk about campus security incidents and what happened and what we learned during those incidents. So Michelle, we'll start with you. Could you talk a little bit about what happened during an incident and more importantly, what you, or as Ed had said, what we learned during that? Brian, I'm glad to be here. I'd be glad to talk about that um, without being too specific because it's a little bit of a fresh circumstance. Rutgers was involved in a ransomware attack situation. Um, it did not affect our data per se. It affected data uh, of one of our partners, but it did affect our, our infrastructure. So we had a role to play in responding to the, to the circumstance. Um, I will say that in my career, this is the first time I've been this close to that kind of a cybersecurity incident. So for us as an institution, as a support organization, uh, we learned a lot um, and we were able to observe, even though we were involved in it to some degree, uh, we, were, we were able to observe and participate a little bit at arm's length, which gave us, I hate to say it this way, but it really gave us uh, an opportunity to observe how, how this situation occurs, how we responded, how the players responded. Um, and in the end, we recognized that, that that kind of an attack really does warrant a different response. Um, we had to bring different players to the table. We weren't necessarily driving the response. The entity who was driving the response, the incident response, you know, there, there was a playbook in there that they were operating around. And so even the idea of having a playbook <laughs> was um, something that uh, we learned a lot about. Um, and uh, I'll stop there. But, but that was the circumstance that really brought us to a point where, first of all, thinking through what we would do in that, that situation. And secondly, just comparing that to other kinds of incidents, um, which I, you know, like any other organization, we've, we've had different kinds of incidents. So, um, so that, you know, that, that's kind of the reference point, point for me right now in terms of cybersecurity. Ed, do you want to go? You know, higher education, I'll just preface it, that higher education is experiencing just an unprecedented increase in, you know, particularly ransomware attacks right now, but it attacks on our institutions in general. And the CSU is no different than, you know, universities across the country. And we've certainly seen that, that increase. It's, it's unprecedented in my career as well. Um, you know, you just see a, a very different kind of attack. For us, we, we're the largest four-year public university system in the country. 
So my scope is 23 different campuses and our chancellor's office. So we have had um, some successful attacks. Uh, and when, by successful, I mean, we, we have had ransomware attacks that have locked up a few systems. We also had a, a fairly significant event at the end of last year that while it did not, uh, malware, the ransomware was not detonated, it had a significant impact to IT operations. We were able to maintain academic and business operations at the campus, but the amount of effort that the particular IT team at this campus went through over about a four to six week period was unprecedented for us. And in that case, what ended up happening was um, the threat actor, which we were able to tie to um, a nation state, uh, came in and appeared to be doing some extended reconnaissance. And so while the malware wasn't detonated, we found them in the system, the system that our, our protections that were in place alerted to them, but they came back several times. And so it was a very laborious process to root them out from where they were in the network, how they'd gotten in and um, where they had gotten in. And then, you know, trying to parse that out was, was an extremely impactful event for us. And out of that um, came a system-wide, what we called a data hygiene project, where we looked across the entirety of the CSU and in some key areas around network architecture and user access control and account management, accounts for students, accounts for faculty and staff, but also service accounts. And so um, it was incredibly impactful to us uh, when we went through that. So I know, Ed, uh, when your incident was occurring, you, you sort of took the time to step out of that, that, that room and, and let me know that you were experiencing mm -hmm. an incident and what you could share so that we could work to try to get that out to uh, sort of anonymously out to the broader cybersecurity community so that they could learn from your experience. And I think that's hugely important when we talk about collaboration. So, you know, what takeaways are most urgent when we think about communicating to campus leadership and, and also across uh, institutions to our peers? You know, to put some context to that, part of what happened when we were dealing with that event at one campus is we were obviously sharing with all 22 other campuses of what we were finding because we're all in higher ed have some similarities in the way that we architect our, our networks. But also we found code from the threat actor that referenced another university outside of California. And so while the campus was working that particular event, my job is to orchestrate the resources from a system-wide perspective. And we thought it was important to get that word out to the broader higher education community with what we could share at the time and what we knew the threat actors actions were. Um, so, you know, we talk all the time about how the, you know, the threat actors, the bad guys, the hackers, they're sharing information all the time. And I think, you know, John pulling this whole um, conversation together with Michelle and I and Brian, and as we share with, with our colleagues and counterparts across the country, uh, I think it's really important that we talk about what's happening, what are the kinds of attacks that we're facing, what are the, uh, the indicators of compromise so that we can help each other more effectively, you know, battle this. And Michelle, do you want, do you want to give us the perspective from the CIO's seat during uh, an incident? Be in, glad in the, to uh, completely agree with um, what Ed was uh, pointing to there as well in terms of sharing information. You know, I, I think, you know, the, the circumstances and the situation that, that we had there were some very fundamental key takeaways from that. You know, one is 
think through what you would do in that circumstance. I mean, those of us that have been in the cybersecurity space for a long time, typically you come up with your game plan, right? How are you going to respond? Who's on point? How do you structure? So there's a, a foundation of that um, that I think are, are important for some of these new threats, um, ransomware, any other kind of um, threats that come through. So, you know, revisiting those to be sure, do we remember what we need to do here? Secondly, these new situations, you know, like a ransomware attack, in my view, it is different. The players are different. You start in a different place. You need to have your legal team ready and prepped for what that might look like. Likely, you'll need external resources to help you investigate, do the forensics. I know for us, you know, we have a great team here at Rutgers cybersecurity team uh, on par, um, but they're not necessarily able to dig in in a, in a deep forensic mode. And so thinking about who would we go to for that kind of work? Um, understanding what that would look like, having the conversations with institutional leadership about, look, if we if we have one of these situations, this is how we're going to have to approach it. We're going to need leadership to engage, to think about things like the legal guidelines to be following here, um, what can be said, what can't be said. Are we going to pay a ransom or not? Who do we need to be working through? Um, and so priming that kind of conversation I think is important so that it's not a big surprise, you know, one day if I, you know, if I get to walk into the president's office and say, ah, oh, we got to have a conversation. So I think coming up with a blueprint or some kind of a, a playbook specific to that circumstance, I think is important. Like, like I said, we, we learned a lot in being able to observe, okay, there's some things that are pretty routine, you know, we've done these other circumstances, but there's a whole other lane here that was definitely new. And some of it even boiled down to who's on point for the incident, not the cybersecurity team. In this case, it was the legal team that ended up being on point, which is different. It's a different set of questions and circumstances. So I would recommend doing a tabletop trying to understand how that looks, working with other entities who've gone through it to say, hey, what'd you have to do? What should we think about? You know, who, who would we line up here? And just try to learn as much as possible so that you're not, you're not caught off guard um, if, if you ever end up in that kind of a situation. And I think it's interesting. You, you both have sort of come to the, the, the value of the planning, the value of the playbooks. It can't be overstated, the importance of having a playbook, having an instant response plan that contemplates this and that is in line with your business continuity and disaster recovery efforts. We, as a in part as a result of this, reached out to our emergency managers at all campuses and have brought them into the fold now. You know, we're typically in California, we're focused on things like fires and earthquakes, right? But so now we've brought them in to say, you know, let's take advantage of that existing incident response infrastructure. Um, and, and, and we just recently did a multi-campus tabletop exercise around ransomware so that we could test that out and be prepared so we can you know, respond most effectively. 
And just to add to Ed, Ed's description there, go through the scenarios, you know, bring the different roles that you think you're going to need in a situation to the table to practice, help people understand what their roles could or should be in an incident. Absolutely agree with mirroring the emergency operations, incident response procedures. Very similar. And, and they do the same thing. They come up with their scenarios and, okay, what are we going to do if it's this? What are we going to do if it's that? So, I, you know, spending the time and going through those. And you, have to, you don't have to get it to the nth degree. It's just getting enough to where you know the major steps and you're not, you're not having to struggle with that part when you're responding. You know, I think the takeaways for us is that the way that we have in the past architected networks in higher education and the way we've administered things like user accounts and system accounts um, lead, can lead us to be more susceptible. So that our takeaway for, for what happened with us last fall was to look holistically across the entire system at those five key areas around network architecture, network administration, user accounts, uh, system account management, and it accelerated our rollout of, of multi-factor authentication. We were already doing that, but those were key takeaways for us. It really accelerated things in our system. And I'll, I'll add to that as well. And Ed, I'm glad you mentioned multi-factor. <laughs> it, it spurred us to, we're like, that's it. We got to move a little more quickly to, to, to two-step two or two-factor login. Um, for our campus. And, um, you know, we, we were able to, to do so pretty rapidly, actually. So. And uh, the next question we'll jump to for the both of you is around what you wish you had known pre-incident. Um, so magic wand, time travel, you go back. What, what do you wish you knew? Maybe a couple things here. I wish we had moved more quickly with multi-factor. I think that that would have I wouldn't say completely uh, diminished the threat, but it would have, it, it could have helped in, in the circumstances that we, act, when, when we actually learned how, how did this occur, how did this start, I wish we had moved on multi-factor more quickly. Um, so that was definitely a, a, a key takeaway, a key thing I wish we, wish we would have known. The second thing that I'll point to that we wish we, that I wish we would have known was just that dynamic factor in terms of the legal ramifications to that situation. We were learning that on the fly. Wish we would have thought that through a little more specifically so we would know what to expect there. Thanks, Michelle. You know, I would echo that. You know, we had started rolling out MFA and we had made great progress in a lot, a lot of places. And multi-factor isn't, you know, it's not a panacea. But it does inject a, a pretty fair amount of protection. So if I, you know, if I could go back, I think two things. One would be understanding how critical it was to have MFA in place, particularly for students. You know, we've been focusing on what we all consider those high-risk kinds of situations, HR and finance and legal. And but what we've seen is a, is a dramatic increase in attacks on students. You know, the diversion of financial aid and those monies, which. Oftentimes, that's literally the food and roof over a student's head. And oftentimes, our most vulnerable students, you know, are receiving that financial aid. So I wish that we would have accelerated that. The other thing I think if I could go back would be the implementation and maturation of endpoint detection and response. 
you know, if we'd had that more holistically, um, it would just have allowed us to respond, I, I think, a little more quickly uh, than, than we did. We responded effectively, but we could have been much quicker if we'd had some good endpoint response um, detection and monitoring in place at the time. And before we wrap up, do either of you, Ed, I know you want, might want to talk a little bit about professional development and cybersecurity workforce development and give you and Michelle sort of an opportunity to freeform on those topics or something um, that we've missed in this conversation? Yeah, thanks, Brian. You know, those of us who have a certain number of birthdays behind us <laughs> came up through technology and information security ranks uh, without, you know, in, in environments that we didn't have the formal education uh, opportunities that we have now. We're super proud in California that 10 of our campuses now offer both baccalaureate and master's degree level or certificate level courses in cybersecurity. And four of our campuses have been recognized as national centers for academic excellence by uh, in cyber defense education by Department of Homeland Security and NSA. So I think, you know, an opportunity for us is to is to close that gap between the academic and the operational and have those students participate or, or be aware of or have the CISOs, ISOs at campuses work with those students. Um, we, as a result of all of this, um, uh, we're seeing research projects by students on ransomware and how to more effectively deal with it. So we all in higher education have access to an incredible brain trust of innovation and, and education out there. And I think we can do a more effective job of, of working hand in hand with the academic side of the house. And just to chime in, I, co I completely agree with, with Ed on that. Any way we can um, expand the profession with more expertise and more people with that, with that skill set, the better. I think all of us can observe that this is a it's is a big topic. It's very visible. I think we're, all of us are reading, you know, every week, sometimes daily, about some some threat, some hack, some compromise somewhere. Um, and so there's a lot of visibility around it. And you know, we need to have prof the professionals who can not only understand, help defend, but try to position us in a way that's safer. And so I think anyway, we can groom, groom interest and groom, groom professionals. I am totally, totally supportive of doing so. You know, I just think that we're, we're in a different place. This is a long haul topic, you know, might ebb and flow, might get quiet for a while, but we're not in quiet mode right now. And so I think any, any time we can raise the visibility and ways, raise the awareness of the importance the better. Thanks, Michelle. I, you know, I, I'm going to give a, a shameless shout out to um, Educause, you know, full disclosure, I'm one of the faculty members, but we're, we're launching the first ever cybersecurity oriented new IT managers program this fall. And I, and that comes from a direct request and, and information from universities that say, you know, we need those pathways to educate. Um, and so we're really looking forward to that. And we've, have some other faculty members that are just amazing thought leaders in cybersecurity and higher education. And I'm really happy to see that we're doing that in the partnership with Educause and in that, that aspect of professional development is really terrific. We'll let the record show our first product placement in a community conversation, <laughs> definitely a keeper. 
Having been a leader who has been through a major incident and lived to tell about it, I really don't know how you'll answer this question, but are you more worried and more agitated as a result of having been through it? Or are you actually calmer having been through it? Well, you know, maybe a little bit of, little bit of both. I mean, there's something to be said for learning on the fly. I mean, not that you would orchestrate this just to learn it on the fly, but, um, but there's something to be said for, you know, for being in it. And then you come out the other side and, and then you have the opportunity literally to think what would, what would we have done differently? What worked, what didn't work, what would we change? So to some degree, it is a little bit of a, okay, so we got through that. On the other hand, I just think this whole topic, there's this, there is that constant pressure of what is it that we don't know that is going to come back to bite us on anything. And that's just that, it's just a constant theme in the threat and the threat situation. You know, I, I would echo what you just said, Michelle. I mean, certainly having gone through such a significant incident, it's the most significant incident that we've had during my, in my career in terms of the impact to the IT team in particular. You know, as I said, we were, we were able to stave off any um, significant outages or anything like that. But I watched this IT team work 16 to 18 hours a day for five or six weeks. So you have a lot of missed opportunity at the campus and you have you know, all of that impact at a time where we're already very impacted by COVID and the pandemic, working through all of those issues as well. So I think there is a, a, a little bit of, okay, I've gone through that and, and we've done it successfully and we came out the other side and we were able to identify some gaps of areas, you know, we, hey, we could do this better, we could do this, and wish we'd known. But I also have angst because I don't see it abating. I only see it increasing. And I, I don't think we've seen the worst of it. Um, and as you look at the advent of more technologies that are gonna that make our environments more complex and that will also, I'm concerned that the threat actors will avail themselves of. You know, if we start seeing, you know, machine learning used to extend their reach into our environments, um, you know, and, and how we're, I think we don't know what we're going to have to combat a year from now, two years from now. So it's great to have gone through it and learned those lessons and say we're, we're, we're more effectively prepared, but not knowing what it's going to, what's going to happen tomorrow um, and, and what the threat actors are going to do um, certainly keeps me on my toes as a CISO. 